0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Good evening and welcome to another happy Spurs Monday. We are starting to get used to this feeling on Mondays where we look forward to these episodes. We're pumped, we're ready and we're back with you tonight for what is going to be discussing another impressive victory at the weekend and one that's vital in the push for top four. So before we get into that, I'll introduce tonight's guest to you. As you can see, we've got our regulars. Patrick, how have you been, mate? Good, uh, week, fantastic. good, yeah. good
1: weekend. Great weekend. I mean, all the results went in our favour. Um, Arsenal, obviously, dropping points. What well, they lost. Man United losing. West Ham, even though we're not even talking about them anymore, they're losing as well. And then us capitalising at picking up the three points so couldn't get any better They, you know they say if Carlsberg made weekends, yeah <laughs> this one's really one amazing. of them wasn't it hey eh? exactly. this was one of them
0: Definitely. top stuff and joining Patrick tonight is Jacob Jacob how have you been mate
2: I'm all right man how are you doing yeah I've, I've been good I've been really good anyway in my personal life but then when you have a weekend like that it's just you know I had my family visit round and that and it's like as soon as they went out the door you know and all the kids went home on Sunday. I was just sat in the living room with a massive grin on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I was cleaning the house, just smiling. I was just like, what a weekend, you know what I mean? So, yeah. There's nothing
0: like a win like that is there, mate. i tell you, eh?
2: I went to work this morning as if I played in the match, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, it was good, it was good. I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, happy to now discuss it on a Monday, Monday evening.
0: Top man, top man, Jacob, and joining us tonight, making his quiz YouTube debut, is we're going to call him Harry, but obviously he yeah. has Hesper uh, ninety two is joining us. How are you, Harry?
3: Yeah, I'm great. I'm buzzing, mate. I mean, yeah, can't really complain with a weekend like that. <laughs> we, can't, can we, I mean, it's just everything went our way, and it was just brilliant. And the, yeah, and the game, so we were just clinical.
0: It wasn't it, yeah. Another weekend, like I say, we're we're into all the juicy bits around that. So, that's the panel tonight bringing you their views. Obviously, some social media bits. As you can see, the guys on the screen have got all their Twitter handles. So, make sure you go and give everyone a follow. Some great stuff comes out of Twitter there from these guys for you. Obviously, make sure you go and subscribe. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: At the Coys at um, YouTube at Coys and then on Twitter, obviously at, at Coys underscore dot com. So let's get into this one tonight, and we've we've a couple of people have mentioned it. Patrick, we went into this weekend, and in in a as a Spurs fan, you probably could feel a little bit of trepidation, can't you? Because we go into the weekend and we know Arsenal at home to Brighton, and you're thinking potentially. Arsenal should come out of that one with three points and then the baton is handed over us to match that. Unbelievably, we go in and Brighton pull out a brilliant performance, get that result that then makes this Villa game ten times more important than it was before that match. Now, we all know as Spurs fans, pressure and big games is often not something that Spurs and that go together very well. So, Was there any element of fear in you thinking this has gone too well and could we be about to lay obviously the ultimate, here we go, and not put the performance in we needed? Or was you still as confident we'd be able to handle that pressure?
1: You know what, Carl? As you know, I've been quite confident um, with my predictions and I also had put this pencil down as a win. But like you said, as the day started to unfold and the story got a bit juicier, Arsenal dropping points... And I know 2-1 kind of flattered them because Brighton played them off the park. But it was a weird one because Brighton hadn't scored in like seven games. Yeah. So you're like, oh, Arsenal going to turn them over? But the story flipped on its head. And then as Sky Sports started to do their countdown to the game, it was like, Tottenham have a brilliant record at Villa Park. They haven't lost <laughs> in like 10 games. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, they're giving us a <laughs> As soon as they come out with those stats, it always goes the wrong way. And we scored early. So I was like, mm, okay, this Tottenham team are made different, they're built different. And then... We were under so much pressure and it was just mounting and mounting. But hats off to Hugo because no one's really talking about his performance. But for me, he was the man of the match because he kept us in that game. And without Hugo's saves and pulling off save after save and just controlling and even saw him barking at defenders, making sure people were... Like, without him, we don't we don't get anything out of that game because we would have been 3-0 three, or 4-0 down before we even knew it. So, um, but to be fair to the boys, they really pulled it out of the bag because that was such a clinical display. And that is, um, you know, you don't want to be too big-headed or jump the gun, but that is a real, like, turning point for me. The fact that everyone else had dropped points, and we knew what we had to do, and then we went out, and you beat a team 4-0 away from home. And Villa were no slouches. Like, even though we beat them 4-0, they played well. So the fact that we come out that game 4-0 up, it just goes to show that I think now something is starting to really click here. I mean, I would have said I said this before anyway, but now I'm really starting to believe that this team are that there's something there, and they they they're just focused and they're tuned in, and they just know what to do to get the job done, and it's 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 great to see, man, because definitely before that's a game we hundred percent bottle, for lack of a better word, and we we drop points, we either lose it one nil or two one, or we just don't turn up and we get turned over two or three nil. So yeah, so. Uh, to beat them 4-0, I mean, it doesn't get spoke about enough. That is, that's ruthless. That is really like, we spanked them. And even though they, they played well, and that's the thing, even though they played well, Gerard even said, you know what, what can I say? We played well, but they're just so clinical and ruthless. And when teams start to fear that, you've already you already won the lot before the game's kicked off. Teams are now going to be scared of us. We're battering teams 4-0, 5-1, 4-0. They're going to be scared to play us now. So that already gives us a little advantage going into it so I'm loving it all I'm seeing from rival fans is that oh man even the Liverpool boys today on the podcast I've been on they're like I'm really scared to play Tottenham that's the one game I'm scared of (laughs) because they know that we can punish them so yeah it's great to see Carl
0: yeah Jacob but like I say was there any you know given what had gone on before our game was there any kind of was you was there any doubt in your mind or was you still was you there was that little creeping doubt of like oh we've really got a chance to lay a marker here and put some breathing space but could this be where we find out if this team have improved slightly under Conte and do they have that metal or could we find ourselves slipping up again?
2: Yeah i kind of mirror what Patrick was saying because I woke up in the morning and all I kept saying to myself was like we just got to beat Villa don't matter what happens around us don't even watch it just uh See how it goes. So then I remember I was sorting a few things out in my yard. I thought, oh, I put Everton are playing Man United. So literally I turned on the telly. Within two minutes, Everton had scored. So I was thinking, well, Everton have been so bad this season. I didn't want to get too excited. So I thought, well, let <laughs> the shopping list together and get out the house. And then I got out the house, got, got to the shops and I was like, oh, Everton actually won. So I thought, OK, because I said to myself, I'm not going to put notifications on because I know the minute I do it, I'll get a message saying one 0 Arsenal, whatever. You <laughs> got to the point I'm shopping now and then I get a text message from my mate going as if Arsenal are one 0 down and I was like, Really? And then as soon as I put the radio on, they're like, Oh, it's relief at the Emirates. So then I was just like, What? But then it was Martinelli who scores. So I was thinking, well, I'm not listening to it anymore, but then I didn't realise. <laughs> I didn't even realise that it'd been chalked off. So then obviously it's got to the point now where my mates text me going, you must be loving life, it's 2-0. I was like, well, which game are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, oh. So I was, I was a bit gassed, man. I remember this old woman looking at me when I was like getting a bit excited in Aldi. Uh, and we've
0: seen you get excited yeah, 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 like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. before when Arsenal concede. So I can imagine you're running around the shop punching people or that.
2: here. So then anyway, but then uh, like Patrick said, it's like as soon as those results came in, that's when I like kind of froze for a bit. I got home and I thought, oh, this is going to be one of the ones where Tottenham just ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to do it. And then as soon as we were 1 0 up, I went, you know, pretty mad. But then it was just like we were getting peppered. And I was just like, this is going to be one of those games where we, sh- we took the lead and we've messed it up. But then I think I got confident when it got into half time because I just thought about what happened at Newcastle. Like, Newcastle weren't all over us, but we were pretty much piss poor and very lethargic. So I thought, if Conte can just do the same thing. And get them, you know, get them into gear. Then it'll be sweet. And then couldn't have asked for a better second half, you know. Kuzilevsky, that guy's different, man. Because any other stri- any other left person on their left foot, I'm left footed. I'd have tried to square that. I, I could not believe he found that finish. And yeah, like I said, when it got to the point where we've got gone one four nil, you you know, even till now, I mirror what Patrick says. I'm I still got to work. And I was like four nil. I thought I was gonna be cagey, man. You know what I mean? It was like. Don't get it twisted. I'm not going to sit there. I've got a few Villa fans that I'll speak to. And it's, I'm not one of these people that's saying that it's 4-0 with We With you for the second half, but... Yeah, you know, no, we're they, they, they were good, man. And they deserved yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say they deserve to
1: get something out of the game, because if you lose 4-0, you lose 4-0. But mm-hmm. they definitely gave a good account of
2: themselves. Definitely. you got. We as a, we as a team have got to learn from that, because yeah. on one side... It's like it's good that we're resilient and Hugo was on form, but if Hugo isn't on the form like that and you're playing teams that are coming, like you know, imagine if we go Anfield and Liverpool are coming at you like Villa did, we'll be five nil down because mm-hmm. they were, they're just as clinical, if not more clinical than we are because they they got so many people that can score goals. You you saw them against City last night, like realistically, City at one point they could have been three four one up, but then they've just got people like Jota that didn't do nothing in the game, scores. Mane didn't really do much in the game until he scored, so. It's one of those we've got to learn from it, but it's good that it does build your resilience because like Quante said, we got absolutely peppered, but we dug in, the captain held us down and we ended up coming out second half and battering him.
0: Yeah, Harry, you know, I say, I think it it is hard, isn't it, as a Spurs fan? Because there's always that nagging little voice in the back of your mind saying when everything's gone right, it's going too right. And we could just be about to go and put in one of the worst performances and actually not take advantage.
3: At least I'm sort of similar to one up top in terms of, like, I kind of wanted to avoid the other team's results during the day, so yeah. <laughs> I was doing everything possible not to look at the scores. So, like, during the Everton game, I went out for a family meal, at like, just before they scored, I think, like, half-time. So I think they scored just after half-time, right, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we
3: went out, and then I checked the score, I just got home, I was like, oh, wow, Everton beat United, so I was like, this is good. And then on purpose I put a movie on to voice soccer Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I suddenly get these notifications on my Twitter, and then just like oh shit Arsenal losing blah blah, blah. and Martinelli got that equalize that was disallowed. I was like shit oh no it's one one, <laughs> and then I I was like I'll go back and watch a movie now to see what how it goes. Put it back on it's two 0 to Brighton. I watched, like, the last 10 minutes. I if you saw Dawson on Soccer Saturday when he was like, <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God, they're going to score. Oh, no, oh, no. And I'm just sitting there, like, <laughs> biting my nails in, like, the last 10 minutes of the game. Like... <laughs> but then, like, as you say, like, as Spurs fans, we're kind of, like, used to just, like, crumbling. So, like, when we mm. took the lead, I was sort of – because we sat back and we tend to do this a lot. We take the lead and we just, like, sit off like, and get complacent. But we kind of weathered the storm and got into halftime and sort of regrouped. That's how I felt it went. And then we came out in the second half and they were mentally in, like, the right state. As Conte likes to call, like, to kill.
0: That's right. If you sniff sniff blood, yeah, go go for the kill. Yeah. Go for
3: the kill, yeah. Yeah. But I do think, like, Hugo basically kept us in the game in that first half because they were just all over us. And I was really scared, like, Coutinho was getting so much room for me because he was just hurting us so much. Yeah. And I think on another day maybe it could have been different, but <laughs> Hugo kept us in it for me. And then I just think the front three just did their thing in the second half and we just won the game. But I, I did I was confident that we were gonna win regardless of like whatever happened to the other results. But I thought we'd be a bit closer. But maybe because the other results went our way, we sort of had the momentum with us even more. And that's probably why, why we saw it like with a clean sheet, four nil, and we just got you know, we just got the job done. You just get on to the next game now it's just game by game just keep winning keep going that's it you can only do you can only do what you can do can't you you can
0: only do what you yeah. do like you say it, it was nice and, I, and obviously that early goal massively helped settle everything mm. down doesn't it because it's it was one of them games you go in and think right we've really got a chance to lay a marker down but we don't want a tense 45 minutes back and forward bang before you know it, we're one up with a great finish from Son, you know, after that shot from Kane.
3: But I felt like Actually, we couldn't get out in that first half. We just couldn't get out. No, okay. Yeah, once we, once we players, went one the up. The players weren't coming out. Like, as If I was in the stadium, if I'm at the Hotspur Stadium, we're White Hart Lane, I'm always screaming at them to come out because we tend to, like, sit too deep sometimes when we take the lead. It's like we're inviting pressure on. And I felt like that was happening in that first half. And I was... I was you know red red alarms in my in my thoughts i was like oh my god we're gonna concede now because we're just inviting them on but i think because we just weathered the storm somehow for like half an hour and we got into the, into the dressing room he must have regrouped and he must have given them some sort of instructions and they came out and just did the job but like one up top said on another day against someone like liverpool we would have probably we would have conceded like three goals <laughs>
2: I think you what he would
3: kind of, of was, in the way awesome. you view it
2: in the same sort of thing, like you know, I mean, do you, think, Patrick?
0: Do you think obviously we score that early goal, and obviously that settles the nerves a little bit? Do you then think there is naturally that thing in a team where they then say, right, next ten minutes or so, we just we don't do nothing stupid, you know, because obviously the worst thing you can do is score an early goal to kind of settle your nerves, and then find out, all oh, right, here we go we've let them straight back in it again so do you actually think we naturally will go right early goal this is just what we needed especially when you consider the pressure around the game that you then sort of say right do we just then go nothing stupid for five ten minutes before we then maybe think about going again what what do you think on that What, what do you think kind of then calls the drop-off after that first goal slightly. Because
3: for me, I'm just to interject, but it kind of happens like a lot with us. We get a goal and then we just c- get complacent. And I know Conte recognises it because he wouldn't be in every presser saying, we need to kill the opponent. Because he obviously recognises something's going on.
0: What do you think it is then, Patrick?
3: Uh,
1: I don't know, you know. I think totally um, against what Hazard's say. And I think that we we were popping the ball around. We were trying to dictate the game but to be fair to Aston Villa you just got to give them credit they pressed us they were quite relentless um I think their game plan was just to essentially just take out the better players they were crunching crunching tackling us they were just trying to really get under our skin they were just being dirty and it's almost like I know Gerard was a top top player one of my favorite players but he had a real mean and nasty streak to him and you saw Villa just try to do that he tried to get under our skin and literally ruffle our feathers and take us out and um For a bit it did rattle us we 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 essentially conceded possession
0: patrick do you think we we kind of didn't help ourselves in the fact that we try to play football at times in really silly positions when we're under so much pressure and you're going listen there's a time for that football but then there's a time where you need to say listen we're well under it here Exactly. Uh, a a few just long, just for now. Get us up there and then we can defend yeah, from there again.
1: Definitely. And and I was about to allude to that. It's a really good point because literally in the second half, as soon as the half started, Romero, who's a very good ball-playing centre-back, it he is. was just spraying the ball over to Kane or to Son or to whoever's up top, Kulicheski. They were controlling it, bypassing the midfield. And I know we've got the players to play both ways, but sometimes you just need to do what's obvious. Uh, And, um, yeah, Romero was doing that, bypassing the midfield, and it gave us a bit more control. And once Aston Villa then have to readjust, then we can mix it up again. So, sometimes we invite the pressure onto ourselves and we pop it around the back and do all of that. Sometimes, you know, bypass that, keep it simple. Um, Because I I don't think we sat back for the sake of sitting back. I just think that Aston Villa played well. And sometimes you just got to, you know, uh, roll your sleeves up and get on with it. So, you know, credit to Villa. I do think it's a weird one because, like I said, you get beat 4-0, but they actually played really well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, after the game, you know, there a lot of Spurs supporters were upset with Graham Soonis after the game. Although I didn't think he actually said anything too bad, to be honest, when you when you actually watched that clip. He what on. he says is is what we all thought and what you've alluded to there, didn't you, Patrick? Is If you're a Villa fan, you're looking at that first star thinking, have we not at least come out of that one level at least but two if not you know one or two to the good here but then what he also went on to say was but this is a different spurs they're more resilient than that now and you know that front three they've got so i think a lot of people have kind of misunderstood what that message was there but jacob he's come in for a lot of criticism over the last couple of months maybe for some certain performances you know especially wolves Hugo, I mean, without him in that first half, that game is that game is gone, isn't it, at half time. Yeah. You could easily have been going in four one down at half time and that game's gone. I mean, some of those saves and the the one where somehow the ball seems to be behind him when he manages to get a hand up and push it over the bar. What a performance from Hugo in that
2: first half. Oh, he was brilliant. He was like my mum was in the kitchen next door so she could hear me making all sorts of noise. And, like, and my mum was like, why are you making so much aggressive noise when, you look, when you're winning? And I was just like, oh, man, if it wasn't for Hugo, our captain, find, you know, turning up. Because like, it feels like when you need Hugo to turn up a lot of the time, it's like in big games, and you won't always make a mistake, but you always think, yeah, Hugo could have done better. But in that game there, man, like that save when um, Coutinho tried to catch him out for the free kick. Yeah. That, I, I, think, I personally, I'm not even being biased. I think a lot of keepers get there a fraction too late. You get there half a second late, that goes over the line and you know the the ref's watch is going off and he just got there like a cat. He was brilliant. Like I just remember just looking at it half time thinking we've been so bad, but if it wasn't for Hugo, God knows what I'd be doing. So he was he was brilliant and it's like it's good that he's doing things like that because, you know, remember Conte a few weeks ago when we reignited our chance of the Champions League football. We made it quite clear that everyone needs to step up. But the people that need to step up are the big boys in the, in, in the team. So, you know, there was he was talking about Lloris, Kane and Son. They're effectively people that you would put in the world-class bracket. You know, there's other players like Romero that are going to be up there at some point. But those three in their positions are world-class. And you, and he just pretty much said, you know, you pretty much got to carry the team. And ever since he's done that, Harry Kane's, you know, putting up more assists than De Bruyne Son's three goals away from Salah, and Lloris puts in. You know, fair enough. Wolves was was terrible, but he puts in a performance like that, and he's redeemed a lot of bad performances for me for that because those are the things that you need your keeper to. See. If you look at a team like Atletico, they've got a keeper like Oblak, and sometimes Atletico are getting peppered, even though they're a defensive side. But he, the guy is just for me probably the best in the world. So. When he's, when he's on game, there's times where Athletico can go 1-0 up and get peppered the whole game. But when they've got a solid defence and they've got Oblack, you ain't going to get through. So that's the same with what you want Tottenham to do. Of course, we've got Kane, Son Perrin, you've got Kuzilevskiy, Brilliant, Bentancur. All these guys are drilling together. But there's no point in the midfield and, you know, the four and beyond smashing it if you've got a back five that ain't doing the job and Hugo doing what he does, you know, yesterday because we did get peppered and... You know, I think to myself, if you're going to go Anfield, that's that's you know, I think Aston Villa really prepared us for Anfield because you're going to go there and they, you're going to concede a lot of chances because you know, even though they didn't play brilliantly against Man City, when you look to the stats, their expected goals was higher than Man City's, so that, that says a lot about what they do whether they're playing well or not. So, who?
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, Harry, you know, obviously, we, we, you know, that could be the game, couldn't it? And that half of football could be the half of football we're going to look back at the end of the season and say that was where the Champions League spot was won. Yeah. And we owe that down to Hugo. And that's, that's a great recovery because, you know, only the week before, he was getting heavily criticized for the first goal we conceded against Newcastle, wasn't he? So, yeah. That, that's a that's a massive comeback, and like i say there's no telling how huge that first half performance it is could be coming the end of the season i think for 100%. me with
3: hugo you, you the one thing you can't question is his shot stopping it's just definitely class. you can't you can't question that uh, my issues with hugo lie with his kicking <laughs> and <laughs> stuff like that but like as a shot stopper, i don't think there's a better keeper in the league to be honest with you i think he's the best and i i've I was in Spurs family, right? And my brother really doesn't like Hugo. But, like, <laughs> at, the same, at the same time, like, we can't, we're can't we not going to get a better keeper than him, at least right now. And it's not priority position. And he was, like, man of the match. At least one of the man of the matches against Villa. Because he literally single-handedly kept us in that game in the first half. Some of the saves he pulled off, like you mentioned with the Catino free kick, was just unbelievable. And... He didn't make up for all his mistakes in the previous games, but I think with keepers also is people are more likely to pick up on mistakes rather than like the saves, because saves are just like a given, really. Like he's going to make a save, but the one time he makes a mistake, everyone's going to call him out and say, "Oh." How dare he make, like, the one mistake in, like, <laughs> ten games? Well, like we <laughs> say <that> as well, <laughs> for a goalkeeper,
0: the mistake is always a goal, isn't it? You know, when you're in goal, that one mistake normally leads to a goal. So it's highlighted it's always even always more like when you make was, a mistake, isn't it? If are
3: talking, like, a distribution over, like, 30 games, he probably makes, say, like, five mistakes, which may result in, like, a one match-winning goal, let's say, or one goal which, right, result in, like, a draw or something. But at the same time, he's making, like, at least five to ten saves a game. In the Villa game, it was probably more and probably of a higher quality. So you can't really question that with Hugo. His, his, his shot-stopping is second to none.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think Patrick as well. That 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 sort of performance from Hugo, again, I think makes you kind of realise that in the summer the keeper position is not a priority right now for us is it you know that's not a position where i think we need to think we need to go out this summer and get ourselves a new number one that can wait another season at least can't it mm, yeah yeah it's
3: yeah, not definitely. a necessity yeah for me i know i know we've been linked with Johnston on like, on the free so that's not a bad one cuz he's english and he's a free transfer but it's not like a necessity to go out and spend like 50 million on a goalkeeper right now for me we can yeah patrick would you agree
1: yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I I don't, I don't want us to replace Hugo. I've said it time and time again. I think he's a top goalkeeper. I know he has his faults in terms of distribution and sometimes he can have a moment of madness. But when I look at all the best goalkeepers, they've all got faults in them. And like you said, Carl, they get judged more harshly because their mistakes do lead to a goal. Even in the uh, in, uh, Liverpool Man City game yesterday, Edison, who's rated as one of the best keepers in the world. He was quite poor for De Bruyne's goal. He should uh, he should have saved that. Uh, sorry, not... um. Uh, Not De Bruyne's goal,
3: Allison.
1: Allison. Uh, Jota's goal, that was it. Jota, where where Jota took the shot, he should have saved that. If we're being uh, harsh and judging him by the standards of a top goalkeeper, Mm -hmm. Um, you know Hugo Lloris for uh, the free kick against Newcastle. I mean, luckily it didn't really bother us in the end. Yeah, he got a hand to it, but he should have tipped that man the post. But you know these things happen Um, more often than not. Hugo is one hundred percent reliable. Like has his saying in terms of shot stopping ability, his reflexes and reactions are second to none, um, and he's still he's still a top goalkeeper. There's not many better than him. And funny enough, <laughs> I looked at the. Uh, I, <laughs> it's like Gelini, it's yeah, we 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 need to replace him. Um, we do need a better backup keeper. I know. Um, I think um, our, our young our youngster coming up for the academies. He signed a a, 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 a new contract. So either we give him a go or we do get a second. No, a much better backup. But yeah, uh, Hugo's, Hugo's still a top keeper for me. He's our captain. Hopefully he's leading us out to Champions League football next season.
0: Yeah, Jacob, so obviously the first half was tough and obviously what made it even tougher, and I don't think any of us yesterday would have envisaged just a few months ago being as upset as we were about the news of, of Doherty now gonna miss the rest of the season. You know, in, in last season, or even possibly three, four months ago, people would have been sending Matty Cash uh, flowers and thank you notes. Um, but as it is, the guys now are getting almost like, you know, death threats on putting Doherty out for the season. But Villa certainly went with a tactic in that first half, wasn't it? To be very, very physical and mm-hmm. definitely lay a marker down with, with each tackle they were going to make.
2: They did that, yeah, but it's like... I've got no problem with that because in a weird way that's how I play football. But it's like um, realistically, (laughs) nah, stop it, Jacob. You need to chill. (laughs) Jacob, Jacob goes out to Maine. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is, is when when I when I play football, for instance, it's like if there's a ball to be won. I you're, I you're cleaning out day. everyone. No, I mean, <laughs> <sweating, I'm sweating. laughs> but, but I don't. I, 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 I promise you, I never think to myself I'm going to injure anybody. You know, mm. there's times you're on the pitch and you're you, you're getting cussed, but it's like for me, I'll I'll go I'll go in strongly, but I'm not trying to break your leg. Do you know what I mean? I've never injured anyone to the point where they've got to come off the pitch. And you know, I will just win the ball, and everyone knows it's a strong one. So it's like the way Liverpool play. You know, Liverpool they press, they're aggressive with it, but you you don't look at anybody in Liverpool's team and label them as a dirty player. Whereas when you look at Aston Villa, you don't really label them that, but it just got to the point where that game, there was a clear agenda, like, you know, give them something a little bit more. And was, there was loads of challenges. That Matty Cash one, I just looked at him and thought, if that was the other way around and Matt Doherty did that to Matty Cash, the way Tottenham's lucky is he would have got sent off.
0: The thing is, with that, t- when you look at that tackle, and we'll go into the Mings one in a minute, and then obviously the Ashley Young one, which for me was the worst tackle of the day, the Ashley Young one, All those tackles you can look at and go, well, the guy does win the ball first, but it's then just the follow-through, isn't it? Where you sort of go, the follow-through is what's over the top. You know, the same with the Ming's one. Yes, he wins the ball, but when you're going through with that sort of momentum and speed and your foot where it is, there is always a danger that, well, when you actually then meet the player after that ball, if the player's got his leg planted at this point, that's a leg breaker coming up. So, you know, Harry... Yeah, what was, you, what was your feelings when you were seeing these tackles
2: go in? And... I,
3: watched, I watched Gerald's pre match um, interview and he mentioned a lot about we need to go out there and make make our fans proud and all this palaver. And I felt like that was sort of reflected in the way they played. And the since they were like extra aggressive with us and I play football myself, right? In like eight a side, five a side and I play with better players against me and I do like I'm probably more aggressive with them than I am with, say, someone else, to be honest with you. And I felt like that was sort of the same thing with them. I'm not, like, legislating their tackles because their tackles were, like, over the top, right? <laughs> yeah? I don't think any... Right. If, if the
0: right. queens.com pod team ask anyone for a game of football, I'm thinking you should avoid this because <laughs> 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 we've got two hatchet men on that's the phone, so that right what so let's For example, it. the
3: other week, like, I, I went in to tackle with some guy, right, and I just, like, completely missed it completely skinned both his knees or something like this completely missed the ball and like, in a real game i would have been like at least a yellow card but like i only went in in that way against someone like him because i know he's like better right and i felt like the villa players because obviously they know tottenham quality wise on paper are better than them and i felt like they that's why they went more aggressive with us and left you know something in in tackles because they were just trying to make themselves known that you know i'm here
1: and Patrick, was, he, were like
3: over the top right and they were even worse especially actually young one that was horrible I felt. yeah i mean the, he didn't go for the ball at all yeah could like, stick him out yeah like, the actually
0: the like, Ashley young one for me is one that it's a shame we can't have a simbin in football because that's a tackle where you go he knows he's there's no attempt at playing the ball there we're not disguising this is just i'm taking you out mate and i'm going to kick you and when kane went down for a minute i'm thinking ah oh, and he's holding his ankle you're thinking this is trouble patrick do you think there was a game plan of lay one on them early yeah try 100%. and try and get these guys off their game by kicking them off the park
1: 100 and i alluded to it earlier they definitely came with intent i mean you saw um <laughs> harsh, fouls. <laughs> you saw can, can harsh him? fouls you saw harsh fouls on uh regalon obviously doherty got a few kulicheski they were going after him uh harry kane um Hoiberg as well got a few meaty challenges as well, so they definitely like um they were just hatchet merchants. They knew they couldn't go toe to toe with us, so what they were trying to do was knock us off our game, try and get somebody fouled off or sent you know uh, injured, and then just take it from there. And there was no intent. Yeah, they got the ball, but. I mean, we've gone past this stage of, oh, if I got the ball and I take the man out, it's okay. We know that you can't do that in football. If you go in recklessly, your foot or studs are high, the velocity of the challenge, there's so many more factors now about winning the ball. I mean, they say that tackling is a dying art because you can't do these things anymore. Mm. And I just don't understand how the ref let all of those challenges go. Mings didn't for, you, for you,
0: Patrick, yes. if Ramiro makes that tackle that Mings does, do you think that gets looked at? even more
1: percent and and i i don't understand why some people from the spurs camp are on twitter saying oh if if romero does it we're all high-fiving and this and that but romero how many yellow cars has romero got this this season well, i think romero's so,
3: kind of calmed down for me like yeah, in the season so he was more hot-headed and he was going to challenges more in that sort of style now he sort of calmed down it's become more yeah. controlled aggression I mean, if that makes it's, sense
1: it's, it's three games in a row where Romero hasn't picked up a yellow card because he was on that fine line. And thankfully, thankfully, yeah. I
0: think it's next game he's exactly. past he the back. point yeah. where he can't get banned. Yeah, so yeah,
1: game thirty two, game <laughs> thirty two, match week thirty two, it resets. Yeah, so that's like, right. He's actually gone past that now, which is cool. But yeah, Aston Villa weren't trying to play football, and it's a shame as well because. You know, we thought we was gone past that day, of, um but it's dark arts. And the referee, for me, he was poor because he didn't handle it. If he sets the tone early with that Matty Cash one, they know that they can't do it. If they do do it, they're on a the yellow and then they're walking a tight rope. If they want to do it again, they get sent off. But when he just let them crunching tackles go, it set the precedent. And unfortunately for us, we don't play that type of football, so we didn't try and do it back. I know Romero has always got it in him, but realistically, that's not our game. We want to play football. So we un- unfortunately ended up suffering. And yeah, when Ashley Young went in on Kane like that, and it's already three or four nil, I'm thinking, oh man, this is the part where our season starts to unravel. But luckily Kane got up. Thank God, I hope he's okay. You know, I saw him over in um, the Masters He was at the Masters. So, so yeah, Masters. yeah he, uh, he seemed to be all right, uh, didn't he? Fingers crossed. He had a few <laughs> days off. We, we go again on Saturday. Uh, luckily, we came unscathed in terms of everyone, apart from Doherty and... You know, but yeah, it was horrible from Villa, and I'm I'm shocked that they got away with it. To be honest, I don't know at this day and age but with VAR as well how you get away with those things.
3: I was thinking back though, like in the early 2000s or 90s, whatever, would tackles like this be just normal?
1: Yeah, they just... would be. They would be. They would
3: I think yeah. Well, there was a point
0: in the game where yeah, tackles like that because no one on even board. second, yeah. you didn't yeah. even think about it twice, and did you? I mean,
2: tackles didn't they?
0: I mean, when you look at some of the tackles from the 70s, you think, God, well, you'd be done for manslaughter nowadays, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, really yeah. <laughs> so, I when, when we talk about those sort of tackles that go in, and obviously the young one on Kane, mm. Jacob, do you think we do... Conte will need to be careful in the running now for the rest of the season. That the one thing that... I was screaming at at one point was once we get 3-0 up and 4-0 up, you're thinking get Harry Kane and Son off that pitch because the job is now done. The game is won. These are the guys that are going to see top four over the line. They've done their job today. You know, now get them off that pitch before something else, you know, before the inevitable could happen. And you get a guy thinking, well, I'm going to make a name for myself now by taking Kane out for the rest of the season do we think we have to play carefully now for the season when we get to the point where games are won conté needs to be looking at right i need to get these key players off the pitch possibly and and save their legs for the next game before we do because we know you know kane's been perfect up to now this season with those ankles there could be that point where he's just going to get done at some point isn't there
2: yeah and i think you're right there. And I think there's a lot of times where, you know, not just Conte, we've had managers that if Harry Kane hasn't scored or Harry Kane's on for his hat-trick, we could be three or four nil up, but we keep him on just to do club, yeah. which I get. But it's like, if we had adequate backup in that position, or he wasn't so instrumental to the way we play football, then I'd get you, but you just got to bring him off, man. Like When it's four nil, I think, I think what Ashley Young did at that time... And, you know, he sees Kane walking. I think that'll wake him up a bit because, you know, if we're playing Brighton and we continue to score in the rich vein, of form that we are doing, he, ain't, he, he even if Kane hasn't scored, you've got to bring him off, man. You've got to bring him off. You know, and you've got people that are coming off the bench that I'm not saying that they're nowhere near Kane's quality, but they've got a point to prove. So, you know, you look at Stevie Bergman. he's come on, he's scored a couple of goals, he's looking to prove himself. Lucas Moira could do with an extra 20 minutes because... These are guys that one trying to prove themselves and two trying to stake their claim back in the um, in the team. And if you keep it competitive with the substitutions while you're resting Son and Kane, then at least you know our squad that isn't <laughs> great. You keep it fresh, don't you? So I generally think that it needs to it needs to do it, man. You know, I, I get it. If it's one if it's one one Anfield, you're playing at one of the top six or in a North London derby. You know the last person you're going to bring off is Kane, but when you're three, four, nil up, man, just let him have his reception because even though he didn't score, you know he hasn't scored out of the last nine goals we scored, but he's been probably man of the match in both in terms of the way he's played. So um, yeah, he's got, he's got Conte's got to do that, and I think he would be a bit more mindful of that if we take an extravagant lead again. Yeah, I mean, because
0: Harry, you know, before you've always got the impression that Kane is kind of been the one who leads what a manager does with him. You know, I remember, you know, a cup game when we were like six or something nil up and Kane's being brought on with 20 minutes ago, and you're thinking, what are you doing? You know, because for me, a strong manager, even if Kane scored two and is looking for his hat-trick, at 4-0, I'm saying, listen, Harry, I know you want a hat-trick, mate, but the job is done here now and we've got a big game coming next week. So, yes, you want a hat-trick, but I'm bringing you off for your own good and the team's good. Do you think that like, that will be something that we do have to man manage, or isn't it?
3: I think with Kane is like he has such gives us such a huge psychological boost being on the pitch that it is very hard to take him off. And like you said, obviously we don't have any backup for him, so that's another issue. But, also but, do you, but do you need backup?
0: Outside. At 4-0 in a game, that's not a case of need. Because uh, not be funny, at 4-0, I'm not interested in bringing someone on who's going to score another three. My view now is I just want that guy off the pitch so that he doesn't pick up an injury. This game's won. Uh, I, I don't want to score more. See the game out.
3: I agree with you but also with Kane he's sort of our source of creativity in the in the team and he's only our only creative player so I know we say we're 4-0 up but I don't even remember when we were 3-0 up against West Ham no, ha, 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 sorry I four.
1: disagree with you there Kulicheski is a very creative <laughs> player and since he's come into the league no one's created more goal scoring opportunities than him so I know People aren't really looking at it, but the assists and what he's creating speaks for itself. So, yes, he's not Harry Kane. I get it. He's not spraying passes, but he's still a very creative player. So, yeah, you get him off and, and, and you go again. But mm-hmm. um, well,
3: I do think it's sort of silo- psychological for me in the sense that, say, if, for example, we're playing against Brighton, right, and Kane wasn't starting, or we were tuning up against Brighton and we took him off. I think they'll get a psychological boost and think, oh, we can get back in this game now because Kane's off the pitch. Mm. That's, that's not, a two-nil. like Conte's point of view, and I think yeah, I, I think they oh, say 2 0 maybe. Like we're 0 up, let's take him off because he's going to get injured. But like for Conte, maybe he thinks, oh, psychologically it's best to have him on the pitch because of just what he represents in that sense. I don't know. And teams, I think, are just scared when he's when they play against him. To be honest, because he's just that good.
0: I mean, it definitely takes people's minds off, and and obviously, the one we're talking about—the one injury that we have got now—because it really has come at a bad time for the guy. You know, Patrick Doherty out for the rest of the season. In his last seven games, his stats alone show you how much he's improved. You know, three assists and two goals in his last seven—that is a real. You know, I think we'll be able to get through to the end of the season without him, but it is a blow because we finally looked like we had the player we all thought we were getting from Wolves, didn't we?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's a big blow. I mean, they showed it on Sky Sports this morning and he's up there with the most creative players since, I think, February the 2nd or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's a big blow because he, he was really making that right uh, back spot his own or the right wing back spot his own. And um, he was somebody that we was enjoying, watching, playing. Like, he was confident on the ball again. He was moving forward and he, he was the guy we signed from Wolves because when, when we played Wolves, he always had a good game. And, he, you know, he got on the score sheet, he caused us problems. He was starting to do that in the games for us. So, it's a big shame, man. I'm, I'm just, you know, a lot of people are slating Emerson Royale and saying that we're finished now and this and that. But I don't think Royale's as bad as people are making him out to be. And, I mean, he's played in the last two games.
0: His you know, stats Royale. are not that bad. Yeah, so, you know, he, he scored a couple recently yeah, in that. So
1: I think Royale's a good player. Obviously, he's not Doherty yet. But, you know, if we give him Doherty all that time, why can't Royale come good? Um, and we've also got obviously Regalon and Sessingham back, so I don't think it's as bad as some people are making it out to be. But of course, Doherty being injured is a blow, and you just don't hope. You hope it's not the beginning of a domino effect. So I just want us to stay positive. I don't want any excuses. Um, we've got more than enough to win the games and see them out. Uh, and obviously, we just uh, we wish Matt Doherty a speedy recovery. That's all we can do. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So Jacob, obviously after that, you know, we, as you say, we come through that first half. We, I was glad like you, cause I think, right. Get them in, Conte can get hold of them and basically, you know, sort out the little things that might not have been going so well, you know, whatever people were doing that we felt we needed those little tweaks. And as Patrick alluded to earlier, one of them was starting to say, listen, let's avoid that press by getting a ball further, a bit forward, a bit quicker. We come out and like the first half, the perfect response, isn't it? You know, within five minutes, Kulachevsky, uh, you know, a long ball, Kane wins the aerial battle, Kulachevsky gets it down. And I have to say, what a finish. From that angle on on his left foot, that was a great finish. And that just, again, sets the tone for that half, doesn't it?
2: That's it, yeah. And like, I, I'm glad content noticed that as well because um, when I did my preview for the game, I looked at the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> <I> looked, uh, <laughs> Alan's not a fan <laughs> Alan's
0: not looking forward to the rest of the season <laughs>
2: No, no, no But um, yeah, going back to your question it was like um, you, you, you looked at Villa and it, from the lineup, I've said it in the preview that we're going to have, have a problem centrally because you had the three in midfield and then it was pretty obvious they were going to play Coutinho in the hole rather than you know, him going on the mm-hmm. left and say Danny Ings going on the right or something because they played two strikers. So, I remember saying that Benton Core, and Poi uh, were going to have to uh, get their work cut out because if they focus on Coutinho, that allows McGinn and all these guys to bomb on and, you know, uh, uh, Jacob Ramsey, you know, he's quality youngster. You're thinking it's inviting all that pressure. So, in my mind, I kept saying it, you know, when we kept dilly-dallying and we were playing these one-twos, I think what the idea was, was to play all them little intricate parts in the middle and try and catch them on the counter. But Philly were pressed and we weren't finding no space because they were effectively playing four central midfielders with two strikers pressing. So it was like, you've literally got six people putting pressure on our midfield, on our, on our central midfield and defence, which to be fair, I've always said that if you pack out our midfield um, against Spurs, you'll probably and, and you do it properly, you probably could outdo them. So that's one thing you've got to be mindful of because as I keep alluding to, when we go to Anfield, That's the reason why Liverpool are so good because they will pack out their midfield and they will if they dominate that midfield they just beat everybody when they do that. That's the reason why they do it. So, I'm glad that he did it direct because you got to mix up the game. And like when when we played Liverpool, you know, um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, for I remember for the first five minutes we were trying to you know play tippy tappy and then as soon as we were getting caught out once or twice it was just like none of that no more. And because we were so direct and they pressed so high. There was a point where we could have if you know Harry Kane. Well that, that, that game we should
0: have been free up at halftime easily at Liverpool exactly. at home, shouldn't we? Yeah.
2: Exactly. The Kane and Son that we've got right now, if we had them on that day, they probably would have they would have conceded nine. That's how stupid it was. I'm not even exaggerating. I remember speaking to my cousin who's a proper scouser and he was just like, I couldn't believe what was going on. But you know, it's one of those where you've got to, you've got to be able to go direct. Not like Mourinho, where it's like, you know you're playing 20 long balls and it's not working, and he's just like, right, I'm just going to stick another lump up there. It's more about, you know, mixing it up. And I remember Pat alluding to it a few weeks ago where everybody thought we were a counter-attacking team. But effectively, you look at it and go, right, you know, we take the lead and we do keep the ball pretty well. And, you know, if Harry Kane's picking up in them positions, it's brilliant. If we could just find uh, an attacking midfielder. So effectively, if we had Coutinho, you could mix it up. You could go direct. But if you want to play it like that, Coutinho will turn them corners and get you out of it. So... Conte smashed it with what he did tactically because it was pretty clear that whatever tactics we were doing for the last half hour weren't working. Direct football, for me, if you're, if you're under the caution and people are pressing you don't try and beat the press by a pass, especially when you haven't got a creative midfielder. Just hit it long. And if you've got people like Harry Kane, you know, this guy's assisting that many that he assisted two goals with his head.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean Harry, you know, that, that second half, that assist from Kane for Son's goal, I mean like we've said it weeks and weeks on here you know me and patrick have had these interactions with people on twitter where they just want to keep saying no harry kane isn't in the bracket of world class and the only player i'm taking from spurs is son and you're like right you're not taking harry kane no the best striker in the world but that assists with the header again it just it just puts the guy and shows everybody he's on he's on a level above isn't he because so you can actually see in that replay the look as to, right, where, where's Son? Oh, right, you're there, you right. Okay, so this little flip like that is going to put you away. It's just, it's just special, that partnership, isn't it?
3: I think, like, Conte's sort of built on what Mourinho started with Son and Kane. And he's sort of done it in a slightly different way now because he's added Kulisevsky. So Kulisevsky's given him just, like, a different option. But I think, like, with Kane, he's just class above everyone else. He's just so good. I've run, run, run out superlatives to describe Kane. So. Is this,
0: and, and this is a question I'll ask all of you guys, yeah. is this the best version of Harry Kane we've ever, we've seen?
3: Yeah.
0: In his time at Spurs? I think
1: so. Patrick, <laughs> that's, that's, what do you think? That's, that's a tough one because I'd probably say last season because he maintained it for the whole season. Um, but if he can get to... What's he on now? He's on eight assists and he's on about 12 goals. If he can get to 12 assists and... 15, 20, 20 goals. goals, yeah, then, then you, you have to say hands down. And he's more than capable of doing that, especially but, in the run-ins, because he's, he's starting to score in bunches again. I would have said yes if he didn't have half a season off. But the fact that he had, <laughs> <it> off, <laughs> that he had literally a summer break that went on till January, <laughs> you have to put it into context. So it's a tough one. Probably, if okay, if we're being real, he's, he's in the form of his life right now. But I would say last season, because he won both the Golden Boot and the Playmaker Award, how can you not give him that for last season, if you get what I mean? But I, I know, I think... as, as as the eye test and as fans, we know right now he's 100% playing better. But it's just what he did last season, for me, was was insane.
3: I think, for me, the big difference between last season and this season is he looks a bit fitter now on the Conte than compared to Mourinho. He's just mm. a bit sharper, like a yard sharper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's- Jacob, what do you think? Is, he, is this version of him the best you think you've seen at the club? Or, or do you think there are other seasons where you think, hmm, I, I would have said that season was where he was probably his best version?
2: It's a hard one because like, because he's adapted his position. It's like, if we're going to say the Harry Kane that drops off and does the role sort of Teddy Sheridan you'd say it's this season and last season. And you'd obviously probably go with last season because it's a full season. And at a, at a time where, if he wasn't doing it, we probably would have finished 12th. But um, if you're going to go Harry Kane as a number nine, I don't know, man. Probably the last season at White Hart Lane, or, you know, th- there's a few seasons, you know, that season where... He was just. Well, like racking numbers
0: up to beat Messi and Ronaldo at one point, wasn't he? You know, yeah, seven, his, know you know, 17, 18.
2: That calendar year where he got 50, I think it's like 54 goals, I think... Obviously, that's sandwiched between two seasons, but that was the time when I was just like, this guy is just a monster. Um, but he, he's just been brilliant the whole time around. You know, you, if someone says to me, name your top 10 Harry Kane moments, they come quite quick and they involve me either beating up my husband or beating up <laughs> my, <husband? laughs> <laughs> my husband? Husband? <laughs> what?
0: where like, oh, well, I got that from? There's a coins exclusive for <laughs> your fakes. <laughs> There's a there's, there's a highlight going out in the week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Somebody that I was speaking to yesterday, and there's this girl telling t- t- me about her husband, so I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't don't know. Know. yeah well, so you're beating up my cousin, yeah. Well, we'll see, we'll see what the Twitterverse thinks of that in the week, Jacob, surely. I'm
2: getting cut up, so he'd look like me and my husband. You, you know? no. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: dear, oh, dear. Yeah, oh, dear.
2: Like, I'll, I'll go back to the question anyway, lads. Uh, it'd Please. It'll probably be the season when Harry Kane scored a double in the North London derby to win us a 2 and I think it was that season where I loved him most, probably because he was still raw and everyone was calling him a one-season wonder. So i probably edge towards that season. The
0: Pirate, that's the season when he rammed the, pirate, the Goon the Pirates words right down his throat, didn't he? That's the one, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was breakthrough season, I think. That was it, it, it was, yeah. yeah. So if we're saying Kane, we're looking at Kane, Harry, Son, yeah. is this the best version of Son because, you know, hat-trick at the weekend just to keep the goals flowing, he's having one hell of a season, isn't he? I
3: think with Son also, people not really, I don't know if they're noticing it now, but even on his bad days, he's still scoring like two or three goals, it's crazy, and I just think he just knows where to be and the right place, the right time, and his finishing has just got even more clinical than before. That's what I've noticed this season. It is, it is, yeah, definitely. At the start when we had, I hate to remind people of this, when we had no Nuno at the beginning, Son was still pulling out the performances for us when Kane, when Kane was, you know, not happy. So I think he's just been sensational again. And I think he's, he's sort of just adapted also to the Conte system quite well recently because I know there was a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, oh, he doesn't fit the system because obviously it's more narrow compared to like a 4 three, three, for example, when he actually had the wide areas. Now he's playing more in field, but I think he's sort of adapted to it now. And he's, I think he just get he just knows where to be now and he's just scoring it. Like they got the, I think the last goal, the Kulishevsky assist goal. Yeah. That was just, like, <clears> for <throat> me, that was just top class because he just hit it first time. <laughs> he just went straight in. I just I, it's just he's it's too good <laughs> and I think like obviously Kane and Son are, are our best players probably along with a couple of others and they're probably our most important players but with, for me with Son I think he's probably in the world-class bracket now
0: yeah Pat, so Patrick I, I, good, I just, that's I a good point
3: now to be honest with you <laughs> obviously Patrick we had a couple
0: you know a few weeks ago when Tans was on wasn't we and we had this discussion of like it is Son in that world-class bracket because there was a period of time where you get to either one or two sons, wasn't it? You get the one where you go, was Son even playing this yesterday, <laughs> or the one where he scored a hat trick, like yes, and you go, well, the guy is untouchable in that form. So I know, you, I mean, you have been yeah. fully bandwagon that Son is in that world class yeah. bracket, and and he's continuing to prove it at the moment, isn't he?
1: Exactly. I mean, anyone that doubted him for me is insane, and I had even I've been arguing <laughs> with even Tottenham fans that doubted him. But the guy's insane, man. That like, his... The clinicalness of his finishing on both feet, how fast he is. He never breaks a stride when he's running onto balls. The control at speed, the fact that he can dribble. He also can pass the ball and he picks out players. He, uh, he's, a, he's immense. I mean, you don't really get that many wide forward slash forwards in Europe that are doing what he's doing. He's on 17 goals. He's only three behind Salah. People have been lording Salah for having a season of mm-hmm. his life and everything like that. Sonny's only three behind him. He's he's comfortably second in the league in scoring. Yeah, he's immense. I mean, he's got he got eighteen goals last season. He's already on seventeen, so <clears> that speaks for itself. And we still got like seven or seven I, games left.
3: I actually think with Sun also, just so just to add that because of his nationality, I think he doesn't get noticed as much. Because if
1: he was yeah, like Soninho, like, yeah, everyone would be like, if "Oh if my was god!" He was he's Brazilian, a... <laughs> Italian, Argentinian, <laughs> yeah. and that same yeah. player. They would, yeah, it'd be. I mean, over in South Korea, he is a god though. So we're yeah. not yeah.
3: like he's. In,
1: in all fairness, he does it for them as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he does. I'm just saying. Like, he's <laughs> not doing it like for country. Like the
3: wider world, I think, like because he's South Korean, he's not like Brazilian or Argentine or Spanish yeah, yeah, or something no, like that. He doesn't get noticed as much.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, he is on form and obviously we're going to, we're going to talk a look at the Brighton game coming up now, obviously this weekend. And, you know, yet again, we're going to be, we're going to play the fixture first this weekend ahead of Arsenal who go away at Southampton. So Jacob, again, This is a real opportunity to go and make sure that we put another marker down and apply the pressure to Arsenal to have to go and perform and get a result at Southampton. Obviously, given their result this weekend, you'd like to think they're going to look back to bounce back at home in front of them fans and put that right. So we really, you know, and obviously given Brighton have just gone to Arsenal and turned them over, we really do have to make sure, don't we, that we don't take this game lightly thinking when it's Brighton at home, we'll get this Is three points in the bag. We've got to make sure we turn up and make sure we apply the pressure and see how Arsenal can cope with that now, haven't we?
2: That's it. Yeah, we've got to win it, of course. As fans, we want to win that and then put our feet up. But I think with world-class <laughs> managers, you always hear them, that they say that, um, you know, we take one game at a time and then you know you think to yourself why oh, you're just saying that. But you look at your Guardiola and Klopp they literally take a game at a time and that's the reason why they're so close because they've got world-class squads and they just go game by game they literally you know there's times where they're managing games to perfection and you're thinking how do you do this week in week out with each other on its tails and I think Conte's in that bracket you just need to obviously give him the squad you know granted maybe Tottenham might not be the club to disrupt the um, the Man City, Liverpool thing, but we've got a manager that's probably the only one in Europe probably capable of giving them to a headache. So, I think when we go into Brighton, he's just going to be saying, it don't matter what happens. You know, if we, if we've, got, we've got that attitude where we know Man United lost, we knew Arsenal lost. I think going into Aston Villa, the Tottenham players will feel a lot more pressure in that game at Aston Villa, knowing they've got to win that to secure the full spot than going into this one because... We can say, right, let's just go and do what we did against Brighton in the last two fixtures this season. And if we do that, it's an opportunity for us to put our feet up. You know, Liverpool have got... I mean, Man United have got Liverpool coming up soon. Arsenal... Is that United anymore? Was no. that? No, yeah. that United anymore or even West
0: Ham? I, I, I to be honest now, I think it's a two-alls race yeah. for that top four now. I mean, what
2: it is, you'd yeah. like to put people together. Yeah, I agree. you think about three... You say about three weeks ago... We were talking about, um, well, you know, everybody was pretty much talking about Tottenham being out of it and it being out of Man United and Arsenal's as a top-up, with Arsenal pretty much solidifying it. And then, you know, in the space of two, three weeks, Arsenal, you know, and their fans are worrying about, are we even going to finish in the top five? Man United are out of it. But then it's like Man United are in a position that we were in about three weeks ago. I don't think they'll push forward, but them going to Anfield, that's where... If if we continue our vein of form, you can look at Man United and think you ain't coming out of Anfield and winning that. So it's like you look at, I think Arsenal dropped get points again against Southampton. If it's a Southampton that turned up against us twice in three weeks, Arsenal ain't winning that. Because Southampton can turn up. They've got some really good players. So, But again, you know, there's no point in us focusing on Arsenal. If you're wondering oh what Southampton's going to do in your hurricane, then you're going to take your mind off what we actually need to do and just keep winning. And if we win the rest of our games... There's nothing Arsenal can do about it. So we've just got to focus on the game at a time. And I generally think that when we were predicting quite a few Ws, it's like part of you think, oh, is it going to be Spursy?" But you're looking at the way it is, we probably could bear fruit. We probably could end up being right and having a good laugh at the end of the season saying that, look at all the Ws you put on and they were actually right.
0: Yeah, Pat- Patrick, you're going into this game at the weekend against Brighton confidently or and and thinking we will lay that marker down given the form we're in and the fact that the one good thing I think we've got is a manager that won't allow any lapse of right listen don't just think this is done now we turn up and that's it the game's won I think you've got a manager there that's going to say listen each game is a cup final this is the, this is now the next most important game of the season are you, are you confident? Yeah, and I'm I'm
1: very confident. I had this down as a win before. I know, and it's not even, I mean, obviously Conte is a huge factor, but I honestly believe at the age now that Son and Kane are at, and even like Hugo Lloris, there's there's experience sprinkled through the team. These guys have been there, done that. And that's a massive advantage and bonus over Arsenal. We've qualified for Champions League football many a time before. We've played in a Champions League. These guys know what they need to do to get back there. And it's just like the last time we played Brighton. We'll respect them because they are a good team on their day. We know that for certain because even on after a bad run of form, they go and outplay Arsenal at home. So we know they're more than capable. But if we play our game, we beat them and we beat them comfortably. So we just need to respect them, not overthink it. It's the first game on the weekend. We know those 12.30 kickoffs can always be a bit patchy and sketchy, as we saw what happened with Man United and Everton. There's always a banana skin in there for those early, like, you know, uh, weekend fixtures. But... I honestly believe we go there and we yeah we're putting them to the sword but I'm not even trying to say in an arrogant way I just know if we play our game don't do anything silly defensively we will be much beaten 2 or 3-0. Yeah
0: Harry it, yeah. You know, given the form we're in you know the front free, like as we say there, there's no defence in I'd say even in Europe right now that probably wants to come up against our front free. Mm. so do you just think the Brighton game will be another game where we go and exert that sort of dominant performance. Like as Patrick said, yes, you can't write Brighton off. They're kind of on the beach at the moment and you can see that some weeks in their performances, but then they are capable of putting in a performance like they did at the Emirates. But do you still believe we're too strong for them?
3: I mean, I don't think it was as easy as people think. I think it'll be a lot harder game, but I think we'll get the job done like 2-0 or something like that and Kane and Son probably score <laughs> as predicted but like, we should get the job done there's no real excuse not to
0: yeah I mean, I mean I'm feeling I confident not
3: winning, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: I think there's a confidence that, and, and I think the side are showing and giving off a, an air of confidence aren't they in that fact that yeah right a game might be tough but we can change it up. And, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm really pleased about, you used to see a Spurs side that would never come out in the second half. Or we're now seeing a Spurs side that, you know, the second half you think they're going to come out and they're going to put in and may lay a marker early on. Looking
3: back, the West, the West Ham win was like a massive thing for us. And I think psychologically that's given us the momentum Absolutely. in the top four race. Yeah. And I think shown yeah because obviously we've, now we're taking teams to the, to the sword, so... I don't expect us not to beat Brighton. I'd be very shocked if we lose that game, to be honest. Well, yeah, I still think it will make it difficult for us, probably in the first half, but I think we'll, we'll get the job done. I don't see us not winning, so...
0: Yeah, okay, so that's <laughs> score predictions then. Patrick, what, what are you going with? Score prediction for this weekend? 3-0. Three, 3-0, no. three, confident 3-0. Jacob?
2: Ooh... 3-1. I think Brighton have, got their, Brighton have got their confidence back, so they'll be a little scared. I think they'll score a goal, so I think it'll get to the point where we're 2-1 up, but then we've just got the quality out front to, to find the third, so I'll go
0: 3-1. And how are you going to stick two
2: to it?
3: Yeah. I think we'll be 1-0 up at half-time and I get to the second in like the 70th minute or something. And the second half. I, I don't oh. think it'll be as easy as people think. I oh, will see. I'm going to get confident here. I'm, I'm, I'm saying are going to win. So so here. I think just with Tottenham, but I just expect drama. I think that's what it is, really. So it's like you know, something will happen probably.
0: four-one yeah. for me. I'm going. I think the to continue to flow. Okay. You know, so yeah, I think mm. when you look at our scoring at the moment, yeah, think, you know, it, if this is a game, it will be a tight game because I say okay, yeah. Brighton are not a bad side, but. If the Brighton turn up that are on the beach like they have been a few previous weeks, then I could really see us getting four or five, mm. you know, steamroller in them. If it's tight, I still think we win, you know, and then it might be a three one. But I, I see us getting at least three the way oh, the um, form we're in.
1: Definitely, <laughs> definitely same. I agree with that. And I think it's a it's a tricky one. because even at three 0 I think they will definitely come out and play. But that suits us. We can yeah, go toe toe with these teams. Um, and, you know, if they do switch off, like you're saying, it, it could be like a Southampton-Chelsea game where they get actually pummeled and they're more than capable. But I think that Southampton result is a fantastic one for us as well because they will 100% want to bounce back in the next game and lo and behold, they got Arsenal. So they've got a point to prove now to themselves and to their manager. And that yeah. goes nicely in our favour because Chelsea humiliated them. And Southampton on the day are... It's a weird one because Southampton on the day are a good team, but they're always susceptible to get battered as well.
3: Mm, I think there's a lot of teams like that in the Premier League now.
1: Yeah, like they're just a bit... They can go either way. Brighton as well. They can go either way. They can either beat you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Brighton, Brighton, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, the great thing for a team like Brighton at the moment, and it's probably the shame with Southampton, is they're, they're effectively on the beach, aren't they? They know the season, they're not going down, There's nothing really to fight for. But as you say, that Southampton result, and the great thing about playing first, we're yet to see if Arsenal can handle this pressure, aren't we? And, it, you know, the two previous results will show you that could be starting to get to them, and someone saying, well, listen, we've, we've we've done our job, over to you, Southampton away, if they lose that one, then you're really starting to say, "Well, the, 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 the fight's not in them anymore. It, yeah. It's gone potentially."
3: And they've got to play United. Do they have to play United and Chelsea? Yeah, they've, they've
1: got, got to play
0: United and Chelsea. Well. So yeah, you know, a, a defeat here at Southampton, I, I think that that I think that kills them. Yeah,
1: I think if they don't even win I mean if they drop points they're dead as well because yeah, essentially, points, we yeah, if we win I mean mm-hmm. our goal difference is already plus 10. The way we've converted that is crazy. They were above us on points and they had a much better goal difference so if we win and they drop points I think mentally they're done already
0: Yeah Now,
3: yeah, Also if Arsenal it counts against them compared to us Arteta's inexperienced and their squad's quite yeah, inexperienced yeah. and I think that's the advantage we have in the race yeah
0: i mean the fans weren't happy with his team selection this weekend against brighton were they so wow. as you say he, he's making some mistakes there, and that inexperience might show now before we go we've got some questions from alan <laughs> so, so it's, it's a questions from alan here and now when we look at the injuries to doherty his first question which i get your thoughts on was around, would Lucas or Stevie B possibly be options at right-wing back? So...
1: Can, I, can I start this one?
0: <laughs> yeah, go on, Patrick. The
1: answer is no. We just, we just spoke about Arteta making mistakes. And um, all jokes aside, this would be a massive mistake. We have fullbacks that need to play in their position. What Arteta done against Brighton, which gifted them the game, is that he put Xhaka, they already lost a midfielder in Partey. You then go and put your second-best midfielder, who's Xhaka, in at left-back. Uh, and you also have a left-back on the bench who you don't use. So you've essentially nullified your midfield, and you're also using a midfielder in left-back. So it's just you've weakened two positions. So us doing that, we weaken the right-back position, and we also weaken one of our attacking threats who we always bring on to cause them problems later on in the 70th or 75th minute. So the answer is no. We have full backs. Let them be played in their position. For me, like I keep saying, Emerson Royale is not as bad as people are making him out to be. I don't really get the agenda. Yeah, he's not uh, that great on the ball, but defensively, he's decent. And to be fair, whenever he has played, he's he's done OK. So let him play. It's his first season here. There's a lot going on in terms of the language barrier, him learning a new system, he was bought as a as a right-back. He's having to play right-wing-back. I don't think he's as bad as people are making him out to be, but us making and chopping changing this late in the season, it's it's, a, it's got disaster written all over it. So, for me, it's a big no.
0: Jacob, thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I'll I go with... Um, if it got to the point where Emerson Royal got um, injured, then I'd be like, well, we've got to do something, kid. You know what I mean? You can't be playing regular and assessing on, um, mm-hmm. on the opposite flank. It just wouldn't make sense. And Then we've got... You know, I don't think we've got any centre halves, bar maybe Tanganga, that could do it. Who's injured? So, if we got to the point where Emerson Royal got injured, granted, but I, I think, literally Pat Sid Wilder said, it's like when you start putting people into positions that you've already got backup for, then it's like one, you're going to dent the confidence of Emerson Royal. If say you put Lucas Moira there, and two, it's like Lucas Moira might be great going forward. So you can see that part of it, but. He might, he might get exposed going the other way. You know what I mean? If we got to the point where we put, let's say, you got to the point where Emerson Royals had a few bad games, and then we decide, right, we're going to go and play a better side that we've got in the runnings. So, say, I think, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Liverpool. You know, if if Cup if wakes up in the morning and sees Lucas Moura, <laughs> right, like, he's just going to be like, right, <laughs> just keep giving the ball to Marley. You know, they put yeah. Lucas Dears out there going okay. forward. they you know. Diaz might not want to run the other way, but then Luis Diaz will be looking at Lucas Moira thinking, this is light work. Yeah, you know what I mean? But with <laughs> Emerson Royal, granted, on the ball, he he's, he's he's in, especially good. in the yeah. first half of Villa, he was quite sloppy in terms yeah, of his yeah. passing. It did annoy me. But I think with Romero on that side of him, and then, you know, Bentancur come over to help him, I think his, his form has slowly got a little bit better. I'm not going to say he's the finished article, but I just think because it's an unnatural position, Benton, Cor and Romero coming over to help him out when he's getting mm. pummeled, helps him out. And I just think that he'll grow in confidence. And I remember that's what happened with Victor Moses. Victor Moses got played out there, but then they had a midfield and a defence that was coming over to help him out, Vazpilicueta and I think it was uh, Matic at the time. But then he got to the point where once he felt comfortable in that position, those guys managed to get on with their own game while he flourished. So There's no reason why Emerson Royal can't do it, considering he's... Used to that position anyway yeah harry your your yeah. thoughts
0: on that one is that something you'd now, consider
3: Now's not the time to start experimenting <laughs> so yeah whether we like it or not emerson's gonna have to start as a right wing back I'm not and, a, and he's I'm and not, he's form
0: in the last couple of games hasn't been that bad has right? it yeah. Yeah, he scored a couple I'm,
3: I'm not his biggest fan i'm not gonna lie and say you know, like emma i rate emerson because i don't really but he can do a job there for like seven games that we need to the end of the season I feel like he can do a job. Obviously, if Emerson gets injured, we're gonna to have to try and do something different. Like I could even see Conte playing even Sesenyon or, um, regular on, on one of the sides because he did that before. I can't remember what game it was. He put Sesenyon on the right or something, and he put Regan on the left. I don't remember what game it was, but he played like the, the fullbacks, the wingbacks, sorry, either side on their weaker side once. <laughs> so I think he could do that even with Ben. <laughs> and Alan is definitely not a fan. I
0: mean,
3: I, I'm
1: not a fan man
0: of player, Royal. I,
3: I, don't think he'll, I don't think in the long term he'll make it as a wing-back. I don't think he has the attributes to do it. But we kind of have to stick with him because it's not the time to start experimenting and start sticking Lucas at wing-back. Maybe if, at the end of the season, the last game of the season, and we're ready fourth, and we can't finish third or something, try some experiment and play Bergwijn and Lucas' wingbacks just to see how it goes. But right now is not the time. (laughs) Okay,
0: so (laughs) we think we've answered that one. Alan, unfortunately, that one, we've been in that off. Now, his next question, and I think I already know the answer that all you guys will give to this one, is I'm guessing this is into the thing. If no, Son no. is close to that golden boot, does Harry Kane give up penalties if Son can get the golden boot? No, no. no. <laughs> I, I can't see Harry Kane giving up any penalty yeah,
2: at all
0: i think that one is a solid no but now nah, alan's last question is a really interesting one and one that i'd be definitely interested to get you guys thoughts and it is one that makes you kind of wonder and now this is a great question Where do you, and I'll come to, I'll go to each of you to give your answers on this one individually. So last question, and to start with you, Patrick, where do you think Tottenham would have been if we'd had Conte from the start of the season?
1: Third or fourth, I don't think we were the challenge for the league that would have been needed. You know what, to be fair, I don't know, to be honest. It's actually, when I actually start thinking deeper about it, if we get Conte from the beginning of the season, would he have been backed? I don't know would we have got the side
0: that's that, that's us add to that question and say yeah. if we had the same side that we've got now with conte at the start of the season as manager where do you think that side finishes
1: uh, and then, then i think we would be third right now we would have pushed chelsea for third if we would have had kulicheski and ben Tanker. but it's such a loaded question because would we have got them then would you yeah. have allowed them to i go think then? so yeah, so, you know, but if if Conte came in in the summer and we got equivalence to what Conte believed we needed, then I think we would be third or fourth, but we wouldn't be challenging for the league. Possibly would have done better in in one of the Cups, but we'd probably be kind of where we are right now. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's quite a hard question to answer because then also I'm starting to think if you have a pre-season and you have more time and he has maybe would have, but no way do we catch Liverpool in cities. Like they're just light years ahead, but I think we'd be in the top four conversation just like we are right now, really.
0: Yeah, Jacob, what's your thoughts on that? Where, where do you think if Conte had come in in the summer and like I say, you'd had Kulicheski and Bentoncourt, I'm I'm with Patrick, I don't, you know, Liverpool and Man City, they're, they're just on a different planet right now to most teams, so I don't think you're catching them because I don't think we could have been consistent for enough. They're out. So they're out of the equation. So I'm like, Patrick, I think you're talking third or fourth. Do you think, though, we'd have had, even if it was fourth, this would be sewn up right now? It, wouldn't, it, it would just be now a case of, what well, that's
2: your top four. Yeah, I think it would have been. Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But you think to yourself, I think if he got all the players that he wanted and also had a pre-season... It would have been one of those ones where you know September, October, November, everyone's like Tottenham for the title because obviously everybody's doing their thing. But then it would have just got to the point where December, maybe because Conte's focused on us getting there, we're trying to keep up. But then it just <coughs> we probably would have done what Chelsea have done, is in like you're trying to keep up, you're in the you're in the frame, but then you've got two monsters. You know Chelsea, you look at their squad. I, I, had, I at one point I'd say. I said at the beginning of the season, I was like, I I think Chelsea are going to do it. But then it got to the point where, you know, they dropped off form. um, And then there were certain players that weren't playing well. Kante was injured for a long time and they just dropped off. And it's like, you can spend all the money you want. But then when you've got managers like this, you've got to do a lot more than just spend loads of money. But
0: I think as well, you've also would have to throw into that mix. You'd probably be in free competition still. See, yeah. so you wouldn't be having right now a week between each game is is amazing isn't it because mm-hmm. you get that time to work on the training ground get your message across you you know if con had been here from the start of the season we're probably still in the conference league with a chance of look, and looking at winning there Fair you're places. still in yeah. the <laughs> cup one of the you know the fa cup or something and then games are coming thick and fast still aren't
2: they Exactly that, yeah. So, I think, yeah, like, like you said, you, I didn't even think, I forgot about the Conference Cup, to be fair. If we were in that from the beginning, for, granted, he would have rotated players, but I think if we were at the stage where Leicester are at now and you see Leicester in it and Roma, you're kind of thinking, well, we'll meet them along the way, potentially, but if we get one of them in the final, we should be able to dispatch with them either, if, especially if we're playing the way we are now. You know, if we play Mourinho's Roma right now, the only thing that would worry me is Mourinho. But <laughs> the, the, the team on its own wouldn't really bother me, do you know, I think our defence will be able to handle Tammy Abraham. So, um, it's just one of those, like you say, hindsight's is a wonderful thing. Um, and if we're thinking like that, then we should be overly happy as to what's going to happen next year because Man United will still be in Desiree. Um If we've got top four, you'll have Arsenal, you know, they'll start doing the Arteta out again. West Ham, <laughs> are they going to do that again? Highly unlikely. Um, Chelsea will always be Definitely Chelsea. Right. You know they're, they're they're that club now. And then you have got the two monsters. So you'd like to think the way the season's going, and what I've said, I like I said, a wonderful thing." But if Conte gets us Champions League. Football, get on us packed, we'll just we'll just get back to the others.
0: Yeah, Harry, Harry, what are you thinking uh, with uh, if Conte had it, been here?
3: I don't think it'd be as a massive difference as people think because it's his, still his first season. So I still think we'll probably be more comfortable in fourth, but I can't see us being third I think Chelsea just have a little bit more. And I think maybe we'll be further in the Cups than we were before. Like Conference League is a good point. we we'll would probably still be in that. But I don't think it'll be like such a huge difference because, again, there's a question mark of, oh, would he have be been backed in the summer? Because we don't know. It's something I can't really answer. And I felt like the summer signings were a bit of a mess anyway, <laughs> in the sense that I didn't know what kind of players and what the plan was under someone like Nuno, maybe on the Conte, he would have gone for more specialised, like a specialised right-wing back instead of Emerson, for example. And that sort, of, you know, that sort of thing. But we don't really know in that sense. But if we're talking just the players we have and say we have the same signings, I still think we we'll would just be fourth, just more comfortable and maybe still in the Europa League conference. And that's about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing this has shown us and hopefully you like to think that this... This, the way we're playing right now and the way the season could end up panning out is, if anything, you're just hoping that for once this is showing the ball, isn't it? That, right, listen, you have finally got the bloke that now is the time to back this guy because, you know, when you look at what we're... the way we're playing right now, there was two signings in January that have come in and made all the difference. If you can, in the summer, bring in, say, another three that improved the side even more... With what he's already got and three more players on top of that, the right players, this manager could take you to the next level. Again, with Liverpool and, Liverpool and City may still be too far ahead of you right now, but you are talking thirds, you are talking cups, and you are talking title pushes, aren't you? Do, would you would, is that what you're hoping for that for? With,
3: I think with Liverpool and City, you're going to need two years to bridge the gap for them. with them. Like four transfer windows probably, and obviously you may pick up like one or two players in those Januarys. But we're talking summer windows. The two summer windows are probably the most important, and you have to get them both right. And obviously pray that someone like Salah leaves Liverpool or something, or <laughs> Pep, Pep, Pep leaves City or something, <laughs> and they need some sort of like, um, what's the word? Some sort of chaos or some sort of problem for us to kind of bridge the gap. I think.
0: See, I I feel more confident with Conte because I think Conte is a manager who can go toe to toe with a Pep. He can go toe to toe with a clock if he has the right team. I, I don't I don't fear I don't fear those two managers against our manager right now. And we we've kind of proved that want, at City, didn't I mean, we?
3: If we give them players he wants, like a specialized right wing back, specialized players, <laughs> in the positions he wants, then we could go toe to toe with them. But you also have to take into consideration they've had, say, three or four years of title experience. I say, being in title charge. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Yeah, and, yeah. And like with us, it'll be quite new, so we'll still be like the dark horse in the three horse race. We're talking hypothetically here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> with the right players, Conte could do like amazing things with us. But <laughs> it's to do with the right profile and. I think with him, it's a very like, specialised type of players and special in certain positions for it to work, especially with the system we play.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, but, so it's all going to be. So, go on, Jacob. If you look at... Um, I was talking to my cousin yesterday because he's a Liverpool fan, so we were discussing the game and I was just like, it's mad because, you know, if you're Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, um, Chelsea, for instance, if you want to go and compete with these sides, it's not... A, it, it, of course, we've got content, you know, we probably... we have. Uh, you know, we have got the probably the third best manager in the league. You know, Tommy Tuchel's up there as mm. well. But um, you think to yourself, like, when if you if if you if you sat down with Klopp and Guardiola in confidence at the beginning of the season and said to them, "How many points do you reckon you need to win the league?" Right? They're talking ninety five points. You know, when mm. Fergie was winning, and Fergie was talking, you know, Fergie was winning the league at eighty ones, eighty twos, eighty threes. These guys you're looking at 100 points basically they're both on 70 i think it's like city on 74
0: well yeah but jake if you say this
2: today has come
0: out it's still mathematically possible we can win the league if results go the (laughs) way we (laughs) I loved it when I when I saw that today. Someone saying, "Look, I've worked it out. We can still win the league here." You're just going like, "Wow!" The fact that you've even thought that's possible. I'd love some of what you're smoking, my man. I think the
3: 460 game showed what different (laughs) class they are compared to everyone else.
2: I think it's one of those where if you're gonna if you're gonna keep compete with them boys, one you need to create a machine this as formidable as those and. You probably need to rely on other teams in the league having a bit more confidence because we all know that when people go to the Etihad, the only teams that I've seen in the last three or four years that go to Man City and say, you know what, we're going to actually give it a go is Tottenham, Liverpool, maybe Man United. And that's stretch Crystal Palace. You know, they've gone there and got a couple of people Crystal Palace have had a little bit of luck on their side with sending offs. Tottenham have always got this stigma on, on Man City, and we've had that before they got the money. We, you know, even as a youngster, when it was like we play Man City, I knew we was going to beat them. Um, and then you have got Man United. I think it's just the, you know the rivalry in itself, and then Liverpool just as good as them. But then, effectively, everyone just goes there and says, no, we're not we're not going to bother. Everyone goes to Anfield, we're not going to bother. You know, so Norwich could have gone and played Man City, and they'd be like, you know what, let's just keep it at four. They'll go to Liverpool, let's keep it at four. Tottenham could be just as good, but because of the team and the brand, for some reason, Norwich will give it a go. So we, we need, to, you know, as much as we need to rely on ourselves, you kind of need to rely on other teams also having the bottle to beat Liverpool and Man City. So when they do drop points and you're capitalising, that's when you get yourself in the title challenge because at the minute, they're not doing that. And that's why they're getting to the point where they need to, you know, they, they're comfortably saying that they need 90 to 95 points to win the league and then they're going toe to toe. It looks like it's going to be like whoever wins it, He's going to be on 96 and the other one's going to be on 94 it's just crazy numbers yeah, yeah
0: it's, it'd be an interesting time and we're like i say we can only hope that what's happening towards the end of the season gives <coughs> give the board the ultimate ammunition to say yeah listen that's finally back the manager properly and, and who knows where we go from there but that, that that's full time i'm afraid chaps i think we've we've reached what we needed to for tonight um great show so For me, the admin is just to say, you know, Alan in the chat and the other people in the chat, thanks very much. Like, as we said, make sure you give us a like, subscribe. We're nearly a hundred subscribers, so make sure you click that subscribe button. We're bringing you some great stuff and obviously that will continue. Thank my guest for tonight. So Patrick, appreciate you joining us again and hopefully you're back on Monday.
1: Definitely, it was a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll talk about another win. Um, yeah, and long may this good run of form continue, man. Let's go. Let's go. Definitely, definitely.
0: And Jacob, you'll be back on Monday as well. And again, like as Patrick said, hopefully this run of wins and our mystic coins that we've predicted, the Ws keep coming.
2: Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> uh, you know. We have something that will brighten up my day. You know what I mean. (laughs) Little one there, don't you? So. we can't have you beating your husband
0: up anymore. So. (laughs) You need to make sure that the results come to keep you happy. You
2: better not. Great moment,
0: and Harry.
3: Yeah.
2: brilliant
0: debut tonight mate and hopefully you know we may get you back before the end of the season as well
3: yeah i mean thanks for having me on it's been brilliant it's just i just no, enjoy no, talking no, about really? tottenham so absolute <laughs> so, pleasure mate absolute yeah. pleasure <laughs> i mean we could carry on for another hour That's <laughs> <find out.
0: laughs> good stuff that's excellent so chaps really appreciate that tonight and like as we say let's, let's get back in next monday for another win and as always we'll see I'm you perfect. next week Come on, New Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and
1: Google Play.